to another edition of the Null Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Carter Carls. It is Saturday, September 3rd. We are one day away from Florida State kicking it off at the Superdome in New Orleans against LSU. We're going to preview that game for you, but before that, we're going to uh, introduce my new co-worker, Essen Kassam, fellow Florida State beat writer. Um, we're going to get into just sort of his impressions of the team so far, you know, what he kind of took away from the Duquesne game. Uh, Then we're going to really break down Florida State LSU matchups, predictions, all that sort of thing. Uh, Then we're going to talk about the new, the newly passed 12 team playoff model for the college football playoff. I spoke with uh, Florida State Athletic Director Michael Alford Friday night to sort of get his thoughts uh, and you can check out that story at Tallahassee.com, but I will be talking about that later, and then we'll be kind of sharing our opinions about you know what we think about the 12-team model and um, all that sort of thing. So um, without further ado, here is Essen Kassam. Okay, I'm joined now by Essen Kassam, our new Florida State beat writer, fellow Florida State beat writer. He comes from the Gadsden Times, covered some Alabama high schools covered some Jacksonville State football. Florida State fans might be a little familiar with them. Uh, really throwing him in the fire. We started him this past Monday. He was actually at the Duquesne game. Essen, man, just uh, tell us about tell tell everyone about who you are and and just maybe your overall impressions of Florida State so far. Yeah, I mean, um, so great introduction. You know, I covered Jacksonville State last week last year. My first day in the job was September 7th. That game was September 11th. Yeah. So I was not sent to the game because, you know, um, my first weekend, everyone's like, oh, there's no chance Jacksonville State wins that game. So <laughs> I did get to a couple of follow stories, over, which were well read. I think my first byline of the Tallahassee, Tallahassee Democrat ever was um, how much was Jacksonville State paid to win that game. So <laughs> so, so that win actually may have gotten you this job then. Uh, so <laughs> Florida State fans will be happy to know that. No, um, but – you know, you've, you've been able to watch a game, a couple practices, you, you kind of a fresh set of eyes. I feel like a lot of people, when they, they watch the same thing, they might have a couple biases or they might, you know, have a couple uh, preconceived notions or, or, or just things they've, they've developed that they're kind of stuck on. But you, you are new. You are seeing it for the first time. So just give me your kind of your takes of the team. How good do you think this team is? And what do you think maybe they're capable of this season? I mean, unfortunately, you know, when we talk about a football team, the first thing you're drawn to is the quarterback. And, I mean, that's hard to miss in um, Florida State practices or games because Jordan Travis has been just dropping dimes. <laughs> like, um, I think we were practicing, you know, he's just dropping the ball where it needs to be. Like, I've not seen – I don't think – maybe he had one underthrown ball to um, Johnny Wilson, but that was still not a bad throw um, in the game that, you know, when um, Johnny Wilson got hurt on. But – other than that, I don't think Jordan Travis has had a bad throw I've seen yet. Yeah. No. I knock mean, on wood. Knock on wood. Yeah, man. I mean, um, he has exceeded my expectations. I think you look at last, you know, the, his his first few years in college, di- didn't do a whole lot until halfway through last season, he really came on. Uh, you know, he had last the, the last seven games he played last year, 17 total touchdowns, two interceptions, 65% completion percentage. I've, I know it by memory just because it's an impressive you know, group of stats. He's carried it over in the preseason. 
carried it over in, in the season against Duquesne, the season opener. And, you know, last nine games for Florida State, six and three. I mean, that's that's pretty good for a team. And the losses would be Miami, Clemson, and Florida? Not Miami. Not Miami, no, they sorry. Beat Miami. They beat Miami. Um, NC, was it NC State then? You're really testing my knowledge. I, I know the record. I, I think it was, uh, oh, I'll have to look, but but it was it was from I remember it was still a big not not a big time program, but it was a you know not some random school you know like right even losing to Florida like Florida struggled last year, um, but Florida State Florida game everyone gets up for you could be the you know one and nine right and you're gonna still have your toughest game against Florida Florida State because that's just how the rivalry goes you know exactly and you know looking toward this season I think we 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 knew the last couple seasons were. Bit of a mulligan for, for Mike Norvell. You know, overtook a, a really bad roster, really bad culture. They knew this was a rebuild, and they also started in COVID. So this was kind of that first season where the expectations were heightened. And it's still not, you know, oh, they should win 10 games, but they need a winning season. And 2017 is the last time they had a winning season. 2016 was the last time they won a season opener. So they beat Duquesne. They get that past them. Now they're on to LSU this Sunday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern in the Superdome in New Orleans. Massive, massive game. And, and really, and I think if Florida State can win this game, it will dramatically change the national perception of them. You know, Kirk Herbstreit was on a call earlier this week, and he, he was talking about, you know, there was a play in that 2015 Rose Bowl game Florida State fans are going to hate me for reminding them of it, but that Jameis Winston fumble, you know, the Oregon recovered, ran for a touchdown. He said that was kind of the moment, the, the beginning of the downfall of this Florida State football program, where, you know, after that, they still had a couple 10-win seasons, but it wasn't like what it was under Jameis Winston. Then they go 7-6 and six in, in 2016, and then – you know, they, they begin a, a bad run of four straight losing seasons. This is kind of the first game where they can change and rewrite what the last four years have been and sort of begin to look forward of, like, changing that trajectory of, of what they're kind of perceived. I think some people still think, ah, is Norvell the guy? Is is he on the hot seat? Well, you, win, you win on Sunday and it dramatically changes. Oh, yeah, I mean, if Norvell wins on Sunday – the top of the hot seat's going to go away for a, a little bit, you know. You can't lose a, you know, other team, a, a really bad game down the road. But for the re- majority of the rest of the season, you're not going to hear, oh, he's on the hot seat, he's on the hot seat, you know. It's going to be like, oh, Mike Norvell, Florida State, look out. They're, they're probably going to get to a good bowl game this year. You know, it's going to change where people think that the Miami, um, like right now, I'm, I don't, we don't have a line, obviously, but Miami's probably a decent favorite over Florida State. That, that would change the line for that game. Florida, Florida State, change the line for that game. Being in Tallahassee, Florida State might be the favorite for that game, you know, at this, you know, at this structure of the season. Obviously, there's a lot of season left to play. Injuries are going to happen. So things will change. But at the moment, you look at that, you know, they would be favored in those games. They would be, have a chance against Clemson because that's here, I believe, right? It is here. It is here. So it changes the, nat- the perception because then all of a sudden you're not just going from, like, you know, a middle-of-the-road ACC team. You're looking at a team that could actually win, you know? The way Florida State's schedule – sets up it can fuel that narrative of oh hot seat you know oh what's gonna happen because they have two consecutive games that are pretty difficult lsu louisville 
probably two coin flip games. If you start two and one, there's no hot seat talk. No. You start one and two. Ah, but but here's the thing: is they can start one and two and still win seven games, and Mike Norvell will be fine. So I just think like the national perception, like what people think. I mean, I've been on all these LSU radio shows this week, and they're telling me is Norvell going to get fired at the end of this year, and I'm I'm thinking, I mean. It would have to take a disaster, given that they're still on the books with Willie Taggart, given that you know over $18 million reportedly in a buyout with Norvell. They extended him a year last after last season. So I think they're pretty committed. You know, In my talks with, with the athletic director, Michael Alford, before this season, they really see an upwards trajectory with this program. You know, again, they started at ground zero, three wins. They had five wins last season. I think you get the seven wins. I feel like, hey, first winning season since 2017, yeah, I'll take it. And LSU, you win that game. It's hard to imagine they won't have a winning season because you got Louisiana Lafayette, you got Georgia Tech, you got Syracuse. Those are automatic wins. You obviously have the win over Duquesne. That gets you five wins right there. You just need one more. Still one more somewhere. One more somewhere. And, I mean, Boston College is a a team that I think Florida State will be, you know, pretty – Pretty, uh, I'm not going to say a dominant favorite, but they're going to be, it's not going to be like a, a three-point, you know, favorite. Um, and then Wake Forest, I mean, they may not have Sam Hartman when they come to town August or October 1st. So, like, you beat an LSU, all of a sudden, you could maybe get eight wins. All of a sudden, you could win a bowl game and get to nine wins. But, obviously, it's LSU, and they're the ones that are favored three points. They're the ones that people are expecting to win this game. So let's let's just talk about this game real quick. Obviously a huge game, Essen, but just jumping out to you right away when you look at this game, what are kind of the key elements for Florida State? If they want to win this game, what do they need to do? I mean, I think, um, you know, it's coach speak a lot of times, but I agree with Mike, Mike Norvell said, you know, is they got to focus on themselves. Don't worry about who you're playing as much, you know, because you see teams get caught up in that and they kind of, you know, start to – worry too much about what's going on the other sideline. And I think um, from what I've seen from Florida State this week and last week really is they're not letting the opponent dictate how they're going to run their offense, how they're going to run their defense, how they're going to run special teams, how they're going to you know conduct themselves. Yes, it's a big game and th- all the players are human. They're going to, um, you know, um, are going to admit, yes, this game means a lot. It's amazing. You know, you're playing the Superdome. I'm excited. You know, this may be the first time going to the Superdome myself and I'm going to be covering a game. It's exciting, you know? Absolutely. Um, so it's human motion, like you know, you're excited about this game, but I think LSU is going. I mean, um, FSU is going to do a good job of like you know going in there. They're going to try establishing a run. They're going to take a couple shots with Jordan Travis. If Johnny Wilson's healthy, that's going to be the guy they're going to target. They're going to get Micah Pittman involved early and often, and they have a lot of weapons, so they got to use those weapons at their dispersal. And I don't think like you know, um, similar to how Duquesne got the ball out quickly. I can't see Jordan Travis holding the ball too, too many times for a long time. I think he's going to get the ball, and they're going to do screen passes. They're going to do everything to neutralize that defensive line, which is, you know, very imposing. On the other side of the ball, I think they're going to bring pressure on, the, um, on um, whoever the quarterback is, you know, whether it's Daniels or um, Nussmeyer. They're going to have pressure on them. And if Cooper plays, you have a chance of – I don't think uh, – Butte's a player that you um, you know take out of the game or completely um, neutralize, but at least slow him down is you know. So I do think that if they could do that, they have a they have a legit chance to win this one. Yeah, the thing with LSU, I think the knock against them 
when when we look at this team is there's just so many unknowns. We don't know, you know, what their offensive line is going to look like. I mean, they've got a true freshman at their left tackle and Will Campbell. They've got two transfers who come from non-Power 5 schools who are probably going to be starting at guard with them. You got Traymond Shorts, who came from East Tennessee State. Miles Frazier came from Florida International. You know, it's a fairly new offensive line. A lot of fresh faces. The secondary is a lot like that as well. Uh, And then quarterback, I'm just not fully sold on just yet. Betting sites seem to think that Jaden Daniels is the starter. And to me, I would personally be shocked if he wasn't the starter. Um, He's a more experienced guy. He, you know, for for a season opener, Brian Kelly has has usually leaned on more experienced guys. Dating back to last season with Jack Cohn, you know, you talked about uh, Brandon Wimbush at Notre Dame. Uh, he usually leans on kind of the the, the more experienced guys, and Jaden Daniels adds a little bit more to that offense with what he can do with his legs. Um, so would be a little surprised if he rolled out Garrett Nussmeyer, but you know, talking about Daniels. I just don't know who he is. Like, you saw that freshman year, he really did a, a fantastic job. He was the, you know, number 23 and in, in passing efficiency nationally. Then he regressed. 31 in 2020, 65th in 2021. Last season, 10, he had a 10-10 touchdown-interception ratio. And, again, a lot of that's because Arizona State was a dumpster fire. But, you know, it's still your quarterback. You should have – somewhat decent stats and and they seemed pretty excited about him leaving too I mean you saw the videos that came out from their team so there was a lot of smoke there and you know just a game one new team a new offensive coordinator a defensive coordinator that comes from the Kansas City Chiefs we don't even know what to expect from him this could be a team that has a lot of growing pains yeah I agree you I mean and um I talked to um Koki Riley um who's the LSU beat writer on um, his Twitter space on Wednesday, and he mentioned some of the same things about Nussmeier. You know, he's like, in practice, Nussmeier, who is, um, we should notice, is son of um, offensive coordinator and former, um, well, he's a quarterback's coach for um, Dallas Cowboys now, but he's been at Florida and other stops, Michigan. So Nussmeier is a, um, a coach's son, but he says it's, he's not typical for a coach's son because a lot of times he does what a coach's son does. You know, he's smart with the ball, but his experience makes him, he's more of a gunslinger and he, is not scared to throw the ball. He has a better arm, but Daniels yeah. brings, like you said, more to the offense of, you know, what he can do when, um, and the threat he could bring. Because I, I, as we talked about, the running back room is not very experienced either. So nope. you kind of need someone that's going to open up the running game. That's especially. another question. John Emery suspended the first couple games. They're bringing in a transfer, Noah Kane from Penn State, who, you know, looks pretty good. He's a, he's a big body back, but – it, uh, behind that new offensive line, new quarterback, new running back. They got 16 transfers. Like, I don't know what this team is going to be. It's hard to tell. It's really hard to tell what LSU is. Worth, you know, because, um, you know, at the end of the day, whatever, you know, he, Kelly's had the success in the past, but he's never coached in the SEC. Yeah. And Florida State, for better or worse, you know, is an SEC light team, if you, you, know, you want to call it that. You know, they're built like an SEC program, probably because they've had coaches and coaches come over the years that have been, you know, they, um, that have SEC mentalities, you know, Bowden had assistants that were, went down to coach SEC um, teams or former assistants, you know, at SEC teams. 
Then you have um, um, what's the name? A, um, your friend at um, AM AM now, um, who was you know a former saving assistant. So, and then they recruit the same players. SEC, they're looking for the same kind of players. I mean, Clemson, Florida State, and Miami might as well be SEC. When we get to conference expansion, we'll probably get to that. But you know, <laughs> it's a different topic for a different day. But um, he's never coached at LSU a day in his life. He hasn't coached in the South much at all. You know, all his experiences at Notre Dame, he's beaten some quality teams. He's beat, I think he beat Florida State a few times, but it's different. It's different because he has a different roster, a different makeup. Yeah, yeah he brought 16 transfers in, but it's not his roster still. Right. Yeah, and I mean, just looking at Florida State, they're, they were one of the youngest teams in college football last couple of years. They're more experienced now. You got guys like Tatum Bethune who had 100 tackles last year. He's an all-conference player. You got Jordan Travis who came into this offseason as the cemented starter. And Florida State hadn't had that since Jameis Winston 2014 season. So a lot of continuity. You know, you brought your defensive coordinator back for a third year. Your offensive coordinator is Alex Atkins, who, you know, was the offensive line coach the last couple of years. So, you know, what Florida State has had, yes, they've had a lot of transfers. So they have lacked some continuity. But for the most part, you know, the guys they have brought in are experienced or, you know, starter caliber players. And, you know, just a lot of continuity on the roster. LSU hasn't had that. But when I look at where, like, why LSU would win, like, like why would they win? To me, the reason would be they've got more playmakers. They've got more just talent like who are the guys that are getting drafted in the nfl they've got more of those guys i mean i think you were on a um radio show earlier this week and i heard the guy mentioned that they were um, by 24 um, 7 rankings they have the eighth best roster in college football they have the playmakers they have you know who is the player you know we talk about Pittman. we talk about johnny wilson are they they're not the love of Bute, you know no. nowhere near you know and that's not disrespect to them but it is what it is you know that's a guy who was picked fourth on e- on a recent ESPN Ma draft to go, um, you know, and he follows a long line of LSU players that have been great receivers in the NFL. So they have that. They have you know um, the defensive end, yeah, um, who's probably a top twenty pick, you know, at worst. So they have just fundamentally, it's no disrespect to Florida State, but LSU just has more talent up and down the roster. Yeah. They've been able to recruit, you know. Um, Whatever Ed Ordron struggles were, with everything else, he he could recruit because he was Louisiana. You know, <laughs> that's been interesting with Brian Kelly is he's not Louisiana. Like he could try, but he's not Louisiana. <laughs> Family, <laughs> you know. Uh, the thing about LSU is where they have the talent is where Florida State is is weak. So we talk about wide receiver. It's not just Keishawn Butte. They've got Jeray Jenkins. Mm-hmm. They got Jack Besh, who's you know that wide receiver, tight end kind of hybrid guy, and they got Malik Neighbors. I mean, they've got some really good all SEC caliber receivers. So you can't just double Cash on Butte. You've got other guys you got to worry about. And with this cornerback group, you know, I said before the year what I like about this defense. What I didn't like about the defense was they didn't have a Jermaine Johnson like guy from last year. So that was a big void to fill. What I did like is there wasn't a lot of glaring weaknesses, like nothing that, ooh, wow, that's trash, you know. But the cornerback group, 
I still am a little concerned about them. I don't think they have the depth. I'm not sold in Kevin Knowles at the nickel position. And the field position, I like Renardo Green. But, you know, at what point is is Zaria Thomas someone who, you know, takes a leap over him? At what point, you know, does maybe Sam McCall? I just don't know if if I'm fully sold for the whole year that he's going to be the starter. I think you know that Duke Cooper's your top guy, but we saw, you know, if you you don't have him – options start to run fit thin. They had to move Renato Green to boundary corner. They had to have a bunch of different combinations at field corner. I think at nickel, they're they're going with Kevin Knowles and Jerry and Jones. And I think you see Jerry and Jones in his history here, you're not, you know, inspired with a lot of confidence. So I think that's the kind of weakness here that for this Florida State defense is like I think they can hold up against the Syracuses and the Georgia Techs of the world, but when you're going up against a Kayshawn Butte, like, I don't know. That what helps is they got two incredible safeties. Jamie Robinson, first team all ACC. Was he key then? I think he was a player of the week for um, PFF, by the way. I think um, yeah. Jamie Robinson was, so for defensive players. So he had a pretty good week. Yep, he, he sure did. He had a nice, nice couple pass breakups. Just, I mean, I just love how versatile the guy is he can play nickel he can play you know uh in space he can play in the box you can right. do a he lot could, of things he could be, like he reminds me a lot like um of jabril peppers like you know if you want him to blind him up at linebacker he could do that a little bit as well which you're not gonna do that extensively you know but he can do that for a few plays so he like you mentioned the versatility on him is nice um and like we talked about earlier Jaden daniels has had success before yeah this is not a quarterback that's never started a game in college football so he can go out there and just, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that he could go out there and light up the show, you know, and prove he's a good, you know. Yeah. Yeah, the the, the pro Jaden Daniels argument is, hey, when he had talent his freshman year, as a true freshman, he did great. But when it was a dumpster fire, of course he didn't do great. Yeah. And now he's inheriting a team with better coaches, with better players, that could set him up for more success. But I'm just not fully sold on it yet. I'm not fully sold on it, but we're talking about why they could win, you know. Right. So yeah. Jaden Daniels, it's not the realm of possibility of him to go out there and just put on, you know, a five touch on performance and no, make I'm not it, gonna say that. I don't I don't think I'll, I'm I'm not I am not saying it's out of the realm of possibility for, you know, like yeah. his he could throw his name in like, you know, if he throws for like, you know, and throwing it to, you know, throws his name into the Heisman talk a little bit. No. Not fully. I'm that not I'm happening. not sold on him that much, but you know no. my thought is I think LSU truthfully is that seven to eight win team this year. I think their schedule's loaded with, I mean, you got Bama, you got A&M. I think the Mississippi schools and Arkansas are formidable this year. Then you also have Florida. Which Florida LSU is like Florida um, FSU is, no matter what happens. I mean, if you remember the shoe yeah. game, I don't want to talk about that game. But, um, you know, if you, talk, if, you talk, if you might look at the shoe game, Florida was the much better team. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they kept making costly mistakes and LSU stayed in the game. So Yeah, so it, it – to me, it's they could win this game, and then you look at the end of the season, and they're six and six or seven and five. And but th- that doesn't matter. What matters is it's LSU. They're a big time program, big brand, and you're the only team playing on Sunday in the oh, FBS. Yeah. That is a big deal. So you know you're you're going to be watched by everyone in the country, prime time. Um, NFL players, like you know, it's like you know, there's no NFL this week. This is the last week without NFL. Yep. So Sunday night football, it's mass for recruiting. I mean, five star receiver Hakeem Williams is going to be there. So I mean, it's, and you're battling LSU for these recruits. Like that's the thing. Um, you know, 
LSU is going to recruit. I mean, Louisiana get a lot of good players. Yeah. But they come to Florida a lot too. Yeah. They come a ton to Florida. They have like you know I can't remember at one point they had a bunch of players on IMG. So they will be here. You know so. It's a big recruiting game as well, and they'll be here in Orlando next year for the you know next neutral site neutral site matchup on another Sunday, I believe seven, September third of next year uh, to complete the series. Um, just to wrap up, just sort of why I think LSU could win. Another part, their defensive line. We, we didn't really know, touch on that enough. <laughs> we touched on Mason Smith and BJ Ojolari, Ali Gay, right? But to me. It's Florida State. It's more Florida State's O line. I'm a little bit worried about because it's it's not a good sign when you're playing so many combinations and so many different guys in a game one before it's even a blowout. I mean, when they were using their all their starting running backs, Trayshawn Ward, Trey Benson, Lawrence Tofili, I counted through eight possessions. They used ten different offensive linemen. And six different combinations through those eight possessions. They had uh, they had Bless Harris do left tackle and right tackle. They had Justin Turntine play right guard, uh, right tackle, and I believe left guard as well. Um, they had Dylan Gibbons doing left guard and center. They had four different centers play, um, and, and we know where the center positions at now. Pretty banged up. So it's it's concerning. And, and how many different combinations we'll be playing on Sunday kind of remains to be seen. I think if you get back Marie Smith and Darius Washington, like that will help. But but also, you know, these they've they've had some guys on this offensive line who have struggled with injuries in the past. So how long can they hold up? Like I'm just I'm not very confident about just I think the offensive line's better than it was the last couple of years. When Mike Norvell inherited this program, they were one of the worst in the country. But, you know, so they've, they've, they've grown. I think Alex Atkins is recruiting some dogs on the offensive line. We talk about guys like Lucas Simmons. And but those guys Junior are not stepping up the play yet because you still got to, you know, especially against LSU. It takes a few years. It takes a few I mean, years to develop because you got to, you know, like LSU starting a true freshman at left, um, left tackle, you said, right? Yep. Um, not many programs could do that because uh, you know you got to get in the weight room. You got to get you know. There's so much that goes into being offensive line. That's why we talk about the LSU offensive line is kind of a concern because they have a fr- true freshman starting because you the speed of the game is different. Mm-hmm. First couple of drives, if, um, the LSU's left tackle gets a holding penalty. I don't know if you would not be shocked. You know. Yeah. Couple of false starts. You know, it's in the realm of possibility because you're playing. In, that's a. It's like LSU's playing huge games. You know, and I'm sure this kid's played in huge games throughout his high school career. But this is the Superdome. It's going to be loud. It's going to be it's gonna be frantic in there. Um, you know, Trey Benson mentioned the anxiety that he has. Not everyone talks about it, but a lot of players go through it. Yep, yep. And and now let's talk predictions, Essen. Okay. Let, let's give some predictions. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you... In the fire first. What are you, what's your score prediction, and how do you think the game's going to play out? So I, I'm going to say it's a one-possession game. I um, was Like I mentioned, I was on with Koki on, on Wednesday for the Twitter space, and I'm going to stick to that um, score prediction. 27 LSU, 24 FSU. Okay. Um, it's going to be a one-possession game. It's going to be a close game throughout, but at the end of the day, the weapons and the playmakers, LSU just has more, and I think that's going to be the, the um, ultimate you know, difference maker in the game. Yeah, my my take on this game, I've got LSU thirty one, 
Florida State 23. Um, I think this is going to be a game where Florida State starts off pretty well. You know, they, they're a little bit more established. They've got less questions. Uh, they have that game experience. That game yeah. experience counts for a lot, right. you know. And so I think they're going to be probably coming out, maybe get a 7-point, 10-point lead. Then I think LSU is going to find their groove, and ultimately it's going to be the playmakers, like you said. I think Kayshawn Butte has a big game. I think one of their defensive linemen might have a couple sacks. Uh, so that's kind of how I see it going. It'll, it'll be a game, though, in the fourth quarter. And, you know, ultimately these next two games, LSU-Louisville, they could just win one of them. You feel really confident because you could go in – through the first five games of this season, four and one, because like we said, Boston College would be next. Then you'd have Wake Forest potentially without Sam Hartman. If you're four and one to start the year, and you're ending the year with Syracuse, and and you got Georgia Tech in the mix, Louisiana Lafayette, Florida is a winnable game. All of a sudden, you could win seven or eight games, and uh, that would be a massive step up for this program. So you win that game. Uh, it's really these next two games. Just just win one of them. But obviously, with this being the game on Sunday, you want it to be this one that you win. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing for Florida, I mean, no, but for Florida State is, you know, yes, you want to win this game. But if you're competitive and you come out, you know, without a major injury, you've done a lot to, um, you know, validate your program. Yeah, I, I'm going to push back on that, though, because... I think last year was like the final year where you can kind of have some of those moral victories, like the Notre Dame game. Right. I think, you know, any coach will tell you we don't believe in moral victories. That was a moral victory. That was a team that had just made the college football playoff. That was a team that ended up winning 11 games this past year, and they almost won that game. And then, you know, they, they went on and, you know, they, they beat North Carolina, uh, you know, uh, who was like fifth, ranked fifth in the time. But, you know, North Carolina kind of, kind of fell off. But, you know, I think this is the year where it's like, just win one or two of those games. They did win it last year. Like Miami, I thought was a massive win. But to me, this is a bigger, this would be a bigger win because, you know, the Miami win last year, by that point, Florida State had already started 0-4. No one was really paying attention to them. In this in And Miami this game, was okay last year. They were not, you know. Yeah, and, and this game, it's, it's like the first, like, this is the first impression um, I, I would say, like, if, if Florida State ends up 7-5 and five this year, this game will be more important than any of the games they'll play at the latter half of the schedule because this is the game that everyone's going to be watching. This is going to be the game that will have the most implications on recruiting, on just national perception. Um, let me, let me uh, amend what I said. Like, as long as they don't come out and, you know, if they lose short by a field goal, they could feel decent about it, yeah. come out injury-free. And they can't lay an egg next week against Louisville, you know, the, fo- the following week against Louisville, because that's what we saw last year against Notre Dame, and you had Jacksonville State, you know, next weekend. That's yeah. when. So as long as they come out the other end and keep building and get better every day as, you know, more coach speak, you know, <laughs> um, if they get better every day, then they will be fine. Yep, yep. And uh, so 31-23 for me. 27-24 for me. Yep, yep. And um, I want to also mention we – you know, earlier today, we were recording on a Friday. We learned uh, through various reports that 12-team playoff is uh, now a thing. And when that comes, it could be 2026, it could be 2024, it could be 2025. We don't really know for sure. The way the format's set up is it's the highest-ranked uh, six, t- six conference champions 
will be automatic qualifiers. So it could be, you know, a group of five school. You just have to be one of the highest ranks. Um, and then six at larges. And then how they're going to, at least what it looks like, how they're going to set it up right now, they're going to have uh, you know, four teams get a bye. Those teams have to be conference champions. So Notre Dame cannot get that. Um, and then the, the remaining eight teams will all play against each other. And the higher seeds will have home field advantage. Then the rest of the games, the quarterfinals, semifinals, championship, will, will be neutral site games. So throwing a lot at you there. That, that was a lot of uh, kind of ground to cover. And, and we'll see how it all works out. I mean, it's, it's probably not a finalized deal. Um, there's more details out there, so they're still going to emerge you know, in the coming days, coming weeks. Like, yeah. It's not going to be told. At the, er, um, at the earliest, we're going to be a couple of years away. The latest is going to be 2026. So it's still, you know, yeah. there's still going to be a lot of moving parts, obviously. But, you know, as Reddit CFB tweeted out, if the season ended today, Florida, Florida State would have an at-large bid. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, so I did talk to Florida State Athletic Director Michael Alford uh, earlier tonight. Just kind of get his take on it. You know, what do you think? It was interesting because the ACC commissioner, Jim Phillips, you know, several months ago, pushed back on this idea. He thought, you know, there's there's just way too much going on right now. We've got to figure out a couple other rules and, and other stuff on the calendar before we get here. I think they felt, you know, at least they're saying they felt better about where things are at just in the college fo- football landscape to kind of finally nail this down. And when I talked to Michael Alford, he said, you know, this is just, this wasn't like a big surprise. This is what everyone kind of wants because when you're the ACC, you're just trying to get as many teams into the playoff. And that's why they went to the three, five, five model, because in years past, you could have had a 12 and 0 Florida state team play a six and six Duke team in the, and the championship. And you don't want a six and six Duke team winning that game and making the playoff like that. That's trash. So now it's, you know, the, the top two teams playing against each other, the three five five model gives you a chance to to really get creative with, with your scheduling. And really at the end of the day for Florida State, it's all about, you know, in the ACC, it's all about getting the most teams in the playoff. But um, anyway, just want to get your thoughts. 12-team model, what does Essen think about I mean, is that good for college football? Is it bad? Well, what's your overall take? So, I mean, I agree when people said, you know, 16 teams is too many. Yeah. Because you can have a first-round game where Alabama wins 59 nothing. you know. <laughs> um, who wants to cover that game? Well, they're going to do that anyway. They're going to do that anyways. <laughs> um, they're going to beat the number two team usually most years. I mean, just, you know, Alabama grad. So, I'll, I'll say, you know, the way Nick Saban was mad at the media yesterday at his press conference, like, don't you guys have something better to talk about than, you know, um, us being good? So, I'm like, yeah, he's angry. They're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're going to do some stuff this year, but that's besides the point, you know. But um, 16 teams was too many. Um, I thought the happy medium still would have been eight, you know, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, it's a money grab, you know. Yeah. It's that's. I have I have hard opinions on this, Essen. You want to hear my my fierce opinions on the playoff expansion? Go for it. Um, so I didn't like four, and I didn't like twelve, and I didn't like eight. I liked six, but let's just talk about twelve for a second. So obviously the. It's easy to understand why you're doing this if you're, you know, the czar of college football. It's more money, more teams are making the playoff. You know, if, if you're Louisiana Lafayette, you have a chance to make the playoff now. Like, you otherwise would have never had a chance, and, and that's great for, you know, it's college football. It's great for um, the state of Florida because 
Who's the best um, group of five champion most years? UCF. UCF. So it's great for the state of Florida. It ramps up. It's probably going to ramp up recruiting for UCF as well. I mean, I love Gus Malls on as a coach. If they there. make it, we'll if they see. make it, if they um, make it. But you know, it it makes Florida a bigger state to recruit in. That makes it interesting. But yeah, you know. So my take though is, you know, ob- the advantages are obvious, right? The more money, the the more teams can make it. More games, right? Home field advantage. That's going to be awesome. But I don't like how much it devalues the regular season. These games won't really matter that much anymore with the big programs. Michigan, Ohio State last year doesn't matter. Like Alabama loses to Auburn last game of the season doesn't matter. Tim like, Johnson does not go out of bounds. It, it does not matter. It, it's just, I mean, my thing is Florida, Florida, like Florida State schedule. Florida, Florida State that last week of the season, that game has how many years, how many times it meant you know playoff or no playoff or, you know not playoff or um, college yeah. Um, going to the championship game because it's Florida and Florida State have not been good. At, I mean, Florida State's got to playoffs. Yeah, but historically, historically, right? but like for the um, you know championship game, how many times have Florida Florida State played? Like you know that's been meaningful for that game. Like you know yeah. this is your chance to go there. Yep. It, so it just it to me, if you're a college football purist and you like care, like what I love about college football is it's so different in the NFL. Like when you're in the NFL, you can go nine seven and win a Super Bowl. And so you lose a game on a Sunday, it's like, okay, like, sounds good. I'm going to go Popeyes now. Um, You lose a game in college football, like, you are so devastated, you just want to cry all weekend. Like, we've all been there before where you're so sad because your team doesn't have a chance anymore. Now, what will happen is more teams will be involved, so there will be more interest in kind of the playoff picture, but it devalues, like, the big games, like the Alabama – uh, LSU games like the Ohio State Michigan, those games don't matter anymore. They don't like it. it what is good about the twelve team model versus the eight team model is at least there's some sort of incentive for the top seeds. You know, if it's an eight team model, like okay, difference between the like you're not getting a buy or anything. Mm-hmm. This model, there are buys, there's home field advantage. That's the great thing about this versus an eight team right. model. Because right. there are advantages, there are incentives, so like I don't want to discount that because that, that is a good thing. Yeah, like model. you know, Michigan, Ohio State next year, not could happen, but you know, n- uh, you know, in a couple of years they could be playing for number one seed. Yep, they could be playing for the bye, you know, yeah. or because if you lose, you you know probably fall, you're, not, you're not falling for you're falling for like one to like five, or you know, because yeah. teams are gonna take it more seriously. It's gonna be a lot more competitive at top. So yeah, you know, like. I think I think something at bowl It'll games. It'll have some meaning, but not the meaning it had. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, and we've already seen the devaluation. Like, you know, um, you lose the first game of the year, and all uh, people are like, "Oh, don't worry, that's fine, that's fine." You win the rest, you win out, you're still fine. You know, how many times has Alabama lost to you know A and M or Mississippi State or you know something like that? Be like, "No, it's fine, don't worry, you'll be back, you'll be here." Yep. It takes away from those games. Um, the bowl games. The bowl um, games. I mean, you talk about all the opt outs. I mean. I think um, you're going to see the same either way. I, yeah. I think the bowl games designed. You might get more players playing now if you have 12 teams versus you know like uh, you're not going to have the random LSU kid that's going to drop out you know because they're playing in the Sugar Bowl. Right, right, right. So it's going to have that's going to have some benefits, you know. But overall, well, I also think what will be great for the bowl games is now they can incorporate NIL. So like, it's probably not going to be important if you're Keishawn Boutte and. They're saying, hey, you're in the Citrus Bowl. Uh, 
playing some trash team, like, we'll give you $10,000. Like, he's not going to care about that. Like, he's going to the NFL. But maybe, you know, the, some of the players who are fringe NFL guys, like, I think that'll help. So, you know, I don't want to discount that because you're, you're right. I think there will still be value with some bulls. It's just more like the regular season I'm worried about. You know, I mean, as long as the Duke's Mayo Bowl is not impacted, that's all that matters. <laughs> right? That's all we care about here. Is all we care about. All we care about is the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Florida State's, that's where we need them to go this year. Absolutely. <laughs> so I want to see Norvell dumped with um, mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be pretty fun. I, I, think, I, think, I would think he would take that after the first couple of years, you know? He did say on his radio show to start the week, he said that if, uh, if Florida State did beat LSU, he would eat a beignet. Oh yeah, on he's mentioned on, on show, like you know. So hope, uh, maybe on Monday we're maybe watching. we'll get beignets dumped on him. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we should just um, hopefully, um, you know, um, Travis. I hope you're listening to this. You know, this is your job now. If you guys win Monday, you got to um, dump beignets on him. <laughs> That's your responsibility as the quarterback and the leader of the team now. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, I think we're all LSU'd out. We've we've written a lot of stories this week. If you want to check it out at Tallahassee.com. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carter Carls. Essen, what's your at name? It's um, at Essen underscore Kassam. Yeah. And, um, you know, if, you, if you're tired of LSU coverage, there's a, um, a great um, women's soccer game this weekend. Oh, um, there you go. We got Florida against Florida State, the rivalry. You know, um, I have a feature coming out later t- um, tonight or tomorrow that I think is a pretty good read about. You know, it's going to give you kind of insight of the transfer portal and what happened with, you know, Florida State with a coach leaving, new coach coming in. All those girls in the transfer portal and what they kind of decided as a team what they were going to do. So it's 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 going to have some good insight. I think it's going to be a good story. So check it out if you're tired of LSU. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I've got a Q&A with uh, Michael Alford. It's a third part in a three-part uh, series coming out Saturday morning if you want to check that out. I'll have a prediction story on Sunday. This, this podcast, obviously, um, you can check that out as well. We'll be in New Orleans we're, we're leaving Saturday to, to go there. Can't wait, man. And uh, anyways, that's all. And uh, thanks for tuning in.